You're listening to the most authentic place in sports. It's the Sports Headline Show. Here are your hosts, Sean Davis and Warner Sanker. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to number 28. Nine. 29. In the uh, SH preseason power ranking series, um, I'd like to welcome in my co-host, good friend Sean Davis and friend of Sean Sorry, this this beat was too good, but yeah, I'm doing good. Ready to get going with the um, power rankings. It's number 29 team being the Atlanta Falcons. And if you guys haven't checked out, you know my article on the number 32 team, the Houston Texas NFL Sapient. Well, the first article, the first paragraph of the article, I'm basically explaining how every team has their fall from grace moment, unless you're the Patriots. So basically that fall from grace moment is normally a gradual decline from the team's like grace, right? From the team's peak. So the Falcons in 2016 went to the Super Bowl, uh, notoriously holding that 28 to three lead and blowing it in the matter of a quarter and a half. Um, yeah, that was fun. So, but even then, the next year, I think they followed up with a 10-win season, but that's when it all started to go downhill. But again, it was kind of a gradual decline. And even then, if we're being completely honest with you, a lot of people still, you know, thought, you know, that the Falcons were capable of, you know, being a potential football t- uh, playoff team. Like, even last year, people thought they could have made it. Or, you know, the year before that, I remember a lot of people at the Falcons going to the playoffs. But, unfortunately, that is not what happened. So, Warner. And, by the way, this was the record. It's the Super Bowl season, 11-5, and 10-6, back-to-back 7-9 seasons, one in which – they like started maybe I forgot what it was. So something like one and eight maybe. They did it fire Dan Quinn because they go on like a seven game winning streak or something to end the year. Something crazy. And then they went four and twelve this year. So a gradual decline to say the least. And they're here 29th. New head coach Arthur Smith, Warner, let's start with some positives and negatives for this squad here. Oh, what are some of your positives from this Atlanta Falcons team? Uh, well, believe it or not, um, I'm going to have three positives that are only offensive-related. Um, I could have a fourth, but that would kind of be petty, and, and uh, you'll probably get to this um, as well. But my first positive is going to be hiring Arthur Smith as head coach. That, that was a pretty easy move. If you could get Arthur Smith, you wanted to get Arthur Smith, especially with, with guys like Lincoln Riley not going into the field. And um, Joe, Joe Brady not uh, being hired either, whether he wanted to stay or not remains to be seen. But, um, you know, I, I think they got a really good guy in Arthur Smith, but really the, more importantly, they got a really good system in Arthur Smith. And I think that's the key here as the NFL goes to a more offensive-centric league and starts to really become this – I like to say something – Defense might win championships, but offense is what gets you there. You've seen it with many, many really good teams in the past where they have a really, really good offense. They have a solid offense all the way through the playoffs, 
then they start to falter in the divisional round, the championship round, and the Super Bowl because of a lack of defense. And um, that was kind of the Falcons' problem up until they started to be bad in the seven and nine seasons, four and twelve, and now this upcoming year. Um, and and that's that's because they had no defense, but they also had an inconsistent offense with an aging quarterback, and their head coach was a defensive-minded guy who was not good at it. Therefore, their offensive coordinator, uh, who was in charge of the offense, if he wasn't rock solid, they were going to be bad. And if he was rock solid, he was going to leave to go get a head coaching job like Arthur Smith did. Um, So that's my first positive. Well, my second positive is drafting Kyle Pitts. I think that's a a great move uh, for them, considering who is available and um, sort of, what they what they want to do in terms of uh, a team strategy. You know, you, you traded Julio Jones after that, uh, but you still have Calvin Ridley. You've got Kyle Pitts now, who's going to be a, a monster. He's not going to be Julio Jones, but he's going to be a monster in the passing game. And hopefully with Arthur Smith, he can kind of extend and revamp Matt Ryan's career as a quarterback in the NFL and as a successful quarterback in the NFL and get the Falcons at least into one of those really, really good offense um, offensive teams instead of one of the, you know, maybe they'll show up this week, maybe they'll have a big week, or maybe Matt Ryan will throw three picks and they can't get anything moving. So um, that's my second positive. And my third positive is training Julio Jones. I think that was um, an inevitable move, and I think they did well with it. Um, they traded them to the Titans, which they already Arthur Smith already had a relationship with. Um, they got decent value for him, and more importantly, they kind of signaled to the fans, like, listen, he's an all-time great. We're not going to compete uh, this year. We're not going to win a Super Bowl, so we might as well send him to a contender um, that can. Also, this gives them uh, a little bit of cap flexibility. It gives them uh, more draft capital, and once again, while nobody – in a long time is going to be like Julio Jones. Kyle really is still a really, really good receiver with the drafting of Kyle Pitts. And um, I think I think those are the top three positives for the Falcons. Yeah. Um, for me, I'll go on the negative side here and so we can keep it rolling here. Negatives, you obviously have to look at the offensive line, which is not that great for being completely honest with you. And the, the defensive secondary which might be one of the worst in the league, and especially in recent memory. So we'll talk about that all here very, very shortly. So let's get into the position-by-position uh, position breakdown. So let's start off with quarterback, which might actually be a, po- a positive for this team. Uh, comes in 19th, which is good enough to kind of save. It's about average. Which is, about, which is just good enough to save this team from being – in the bottom three, right? I mean, this saves them from probably being below the Eagles because it seems like just the tone so far, we're going to be a lot more negative on this Falcons team than we were the Eagles, who were 30th, even though the Falcons are higher. But Matt Ryan uh, leads his quarterback room. They'll come in 19th here. You know, Matt Ryan uh, has a really, really nice processor. He'll go through his reads which is kind of why I, really, I would have really, really liked the Falcons so I drafted Justin Fields. Because if there's any knock, is Fields on Fields is really, he was a one-read quarterback at Ohio State. That's more so Ohio State's fault than his own. 
necessarily, but you still have to develop that. And I thought Matt Ryan, if he was going to be able to do anything, I thought he would really help develop Justin Fields in that regard, right? Uh, just going through his progressions, going through his reads. And uh, so, yeah, Matt is going to give you that, but he's going to give you the costly fourth quarter turnovers. He's going to give you the uh, decreased lack of arm strength, which he, which is what really alienated Julio Jones and drove, at, drove him out of Atlanta. And it's not like Matt Ryan really had the greatest form in the first place. So, I mean, now you're looking at, at an average NFL caliber arm instead of a, a decent to a good, like above average. So the arm strength declining, he's still kind of mentally sharp, I guess you could say. But he's definitely getting older. That arm talent's definitely declining, and he's going to give you those costly fourth quarter interceptions as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, behind him is A.J. McCarron, who almost won for that game. So I guess that's a plus for him, but I don't think they're going to be – Anywhere near the playoffs um, this year, mainly because of quarterback play. I think Matt Ryan's career is, is basically done uh, as, as an elite or even a good quarterback. Uh, right now, he's in the average to below average, you know, area of 19. Uh, you kind of got 14 to 20 as like an average quarterback who's going to give you some, but not going to, um, it, it was going to like hurt the team as well um, as helping him. And, and, you know, that's that's what Ryan is. As you said, there's the costly fourth quarter turnovers. Um, he, you know, almost like he's a rookie in where he'll just he'll rush something and he'll just throw it up to his guy. And um, that guy being Julio Jones is now gone. So Calvin Ridley is not the greatest jump ball receiver. They did grab Kyle Pitts. So I guess Matt Ryan, if he wants to keep throwing it up and, and, and jogging up the field, he's going to have Kyle Pitts there for him. But uh, he's really going to have to, I think, get off. Uh, he's not really a, an arrogant guy, but I think he's going to have to get off his high horse and and um, really learn from Arthur Smith and and really fully engage in and, and love and be a part of this offense for it to work. Yeah, so Matt Ryan, not a bad quarterback per se, but he's not a great quarterback either. Like you said, he's in that middle ground, around that 14 to 20-ish range where he might actually even win you a game or so, but he's more likely to lose you a game than he is to win you a game is basically the point here. So they're going to rank 19th in this quarterback room. Um, so let's move on to this running back room where, gosh, they're going to rank 31st. I'm sorry, 30th, 31st, duh, 31st in this running back room. Um, and, Disclaimer, I like Mike Davis a lot, actually. He played really, really well in Carolina last year, but he didn't have the pressure of going into training camp, going into the season as the number one running back because he had Christian McCaffrey as his running back. And even so, Christian McCaffrey did miss some time last year, but there was still a low expectation for Mike Davis in that Carolina offense. So now you're expecting him to be your lead back, and, I mean, behind him, you have Tony Brooks-James and then Quadre Kilsoner and Caleb Hundley. So, some guys that probably might not even make the roster. So, they're going to rank second to last. Warren, what do you have to say about this running back room, which is definitely one of the worst in the league? Yeah, I, I, I love me some Mike Davis, but he is a backup running back in the league. He, um, if you look, last year he had 165 carries. Uh, he averaged 3.9 yards. And usually in your good to elite running backs, you're going to see – 
like 4.3, 4.4, all the way up to, to 5 point whatever in your Derrick Henry's and Nick Chubb's, uh, Dalvin Cook's. And then uh, in the receiving game, he was targeted seven times, 70 times. Um, he caught 59 of those, which is a plus. Um, but, you know, they weren't, they weren't really to the same effect of a Christian McCaffrey, where he will give you some highlight plays, yes, but then he'll also just be wrapped up and you'll have to move on to the next player. He's going to get stuffed at the line instead of making that extra guy miss or squeezing those extra yards out, which is why, again, he is a backup running back and he would not start over Christian McCaffrey or uh, really any other back, except for maybe Todd Gurley, who was a Falcons had last year. And um, it, it's just Todd, Todd Gurley, man, his fall from grace, uh, as you were alluding to earlier in the episode, his fall from grace was drastic with just his legs just being gone in a matter of an offseason. Um, it's it's really it's it's honestly sad to sad to watch and, and it, it's an unfortunate situation. But um, you know the Falcons are maybe a little better off with Mike Davis, but with a suspect offensive line, uh, even despite this new scheme, with a suspect offensive line, we've been saying it the whole time. You're not going to get that much ground game going. Um, now, yes, he can catch it out of the backfield, but the ground game is. I will yeah. say, look for him to have sort of Aaron Jones-esque um, receiving numbers. I'll say that because, uh, you know, Derrick Henry was never really of a receiving back, but running this system with a guy who can catch the ball in the backfield like Mike Davis, look, look for him to be a, a quality fantasy running back at least and getting touches, getting the catches, and um, the yard as a result. <laughs> Quality fantasy meaning like like if he's your number two running back, you're 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 fine with that. But if he's your fantasy number one running back, you don't want to pick him in the top ten. But if you have like the twentieth pick in the league, and all the other running backs are taken, you might as well grab Mike Davis. So they're gonna rank thirty first. Um, yeah, for all the reasons that we just mentioned. So let's move on to this wide receiver room, which is not much better. If we're being completely honest with you, this wide receiver room is actually going to rank 30th in the league at wide receiver. And they have at least this part, this receiver room slash tight end room has some potential toward like if they out have upside for sure. If they outrank this number of 30, I would not be surprised at all if they outrank this 30 position. That would have that would have surprised me at all. But so you lead off your number one receiver is now likely Calvin Ridley, who is a really good route runner. He actually makes a case now for a top five route runner in the league, probably after, you know, you have Devontae, you have Keenan, and then probably Safad Diggs and Amari Cooper. But then that Calvin Ridley now can make an argument to be a potential top five route runner in the NFL. That's how good a route runner he is now. Um, and it, it'll, really refined his craft, and, and kudos to him, man. Yeah, and it really, and it really makes some plays out to the catch. Have your you more gimmicky scheme up wide receiver in Cordell Patterson. You have your more slot ish guy in Russell Gage, who has some potential as well. And then obviously you have Hayden Hurst, Kyle Pitts at tight end. They drafted Frank Darby. I don't see that panning out personally, but you know who knows and. um so again, you're really banking on Kyle. You're putting a lot of pressure on your rookie tight end and your 
young wide receiver in, in Calvin Ridley. He's not too, too young still, but I mean, he's a third year. He'll be a third year vet, I believe, this year or fourth year vet. He'll be his fourth season. Yeah. Um, and he's never, similar to Mike Davis, he's never had the pressure of going, going into a season being the number one receiver. Even if Julio's missed games, the, the expectations were as high or he wasn't even as relied upon as it will be this season because he had an expectation to be the number one wide receiver. Teams would go into the week if there was a healthy Julio Jones saying, listen, man, they still have Julio Jones. Teams are going into a week saying, listen, man, Julio Jones is healthy this week. Yes, he's a little banged up. Yes, he's aging. He's not quite as explosive as he was coming into the week, but he's still the number one guy. Matt Ryan still loves to throw him the ball, and he needs to have our primary attention. And I'm not saying that Julio Jones made Calvin Ridley, but we saw this with, say, Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster. I think Ridley is definitely a better receiver than Smith-Schuster, but Schuster's um, stats got padded because everyone was focused on Antonio Brown. Uh, Ridley had about 60 catches, 64, and then 63 in his first two seasons uh, for 800-some-odd yards, and then exploded with 90 catches for over 1,300 yards and uh, nine touchdowns. So he's still a very, very good receiver, a viable receiver, as you mentioned, the route running. But, um, you know, I, I expect him to be a really good producer for this offense, especially considering that it's this scheme. And we've seen t- we've seen the Packers be able to run it successfully with one receiver. The only difference is the Packers had a good offensive line, had the best quarterback in the league, and a good running back and backfield um, to suit with that. So, I think Ridley will be successful. Another guy who I really like is Russell Gage uh, coming out of the slot. I think he will be uh, quite successful. I think, um, you know, I think the, the Packers kind of going off of that, um, Amari Rogers, drafting Amari Rogers. Now, I think he, he might be a, a, a more explosive version of Russell Gage, but Russell Gage is still a very, very nice slot uh, receiver for them. Although he's another guy who was kind of made by the guys in front of him, Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. So, uh, with more teams, you know, they might move him outside, but with more teams focusing on Ridley and then on uh, on Russell Gage, he's going to get more attention. Um, and, and you know, unless they split out Kyle Pitts out wide and have um, Pitts and Hurst kind of doing a, a 21 personnel or 12 personnel, um, I've, I confuse myself on which one. Um, but going going – the personnel is is going to be either where Russell Gage is not as ex- uh, successful, or uh, Calvin Ridley is not as uh, as successful, and and you know you got to find the, the balance between that. Yeah. So, um, and and I guess another positive for Calvin Ridley is for the most part he's been pretty reliable in terms of staying on the field. In forty eight potential games he could have played in his first three seasons, he's only missed. Four. He missed one game this year and three last season. So he's been able to stay on the field for the most part. Um, so, I mean, that, that, that's something that's promising that you like to see if you are a Falcons fan. But again, you're still having to rely a lot on the younger wide receiver in Ridley. Not saying he's Juju again, but you kind of saw what happened to Juju Smith-Huster. Um, so relying on him, you're also relying on a rookie tight end who kind of takes their time to blossom. So don't expect a lot. I think Hopkins will show a lot of potential this year. I think he's going to go off. I think he's going to go off. 
I think he's still that. fun to watch. I think uh, I think if, if you can get him in the later rounds of your fantasy draft, I think I think it is definitely Pitts is fun, but he's he's gonna, he's gonna be a beast. But if we're talking like he's gonna get a lot of targets. If we're talking a thousand yards, I don't know about that because tight ends. Tip- I think he'll be close. Their time. I don't I think know. He'll be close. They could, listen, they can split him out wide. They can have him run, be a running back or a fullback. That's true. He could freaking play left tackle if Jake Matthews goes down. I don't even know. <laughs> but uh, it, it's it's just I don't know. I, th- I think Kyle Pitts will have a really good year. I think he'll probably be the second leading receiver on this team. I think. Anyway, the the Falcons will rank thirtieth. So I know you guys are probably wondering, well, how the heck are the Falcons like anywhere good offensively? We're not going to talk about it yet, but they are kind of saved by their quarterback room and offensive coaching, which we will talk about. Um, we're a little higher on the offensive coaching than most, if we're being completely honest with you. So I don't entirely know why either. I think Arthur Smith would be a really, really good coach. Um, just doesn't have the roster right now. Yeah, so anyway, let's move on to this uh, offensive line group, which will rank, um, excuse me, the offensive line will rank 26th in the league. Um, Not, I mean, it's definitely a below average offensive line. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah, it's not a good offensive line at at all. It's definitely not the worst in the league. That is also yeah, there's definitely some worse offensive lines. Jake Matthews on the left side for left tackle, who's still a, a, a very serviceable and capable offensive lineman in the league. Um, you have Caleb McGarry on the right side. You're not exactly – I mean, he's a replacement-level starter, I, I guess you could say, for that right side. You have Chris Lindstrom to fill one of your guard spots, but then, you know, it really takes a turn for the worst with um, – Crap, Matt Hennessy, who is uh, just not a good offensive. He's just, just not a good center at all. And uh, I don't even know, like, who, who's their other? Who's the other? Uh, Warner, who's the other guard? It's it's really not that it, great. It, it looks like they might go with uh, Willie Wright or Sam Jones. Or Jalen Mayfield. I forgot they got my guy, Jalen Mayfield. They did get your favorite tackle prospect in the draft, Jalen Mayfield. Um, now, there's he may be better off at guard. Uh, he'd be a big guard at 6'6", but he, he's a he's a solid run blocker at least, um, and his pass protection wasn't there. But uh, that's why he was your favorite tackle in the class. Yeah, man, I, I loved watching Jalen Mayfield. Definitely. Love you some Jalen Mayfield. Definitely did not cry myself to sleep after watching Jalen Mayfield film. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I think uh, you were you were the leading leading guy on on Twitter pushing for Jalen Mayfield to be you know one of the top tackles in the draft class. Yeah, oh yeah, man. I'm telling you, I absolutely loved me some Jalen Mayfield. If you guys can't tell, I'm kidding because I, I I cried watching Jalen Mayfield. It, it it was terrible. But at tackle. You put him in a guard again. Some of the things that Warner kind of just talked about, I think he'll be a, a serviceable left guard, um, which could potentially elevate the offensive line. He still has some potential. He's a mauler in the run game. Which is what Arthur Smith likes. Look at the t- those Titans offensive lines. They weren't like shining with stars. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't Bakhtiari, Jenkins, and Lindsley, or um, for the for the Niners, Williams and 
and I'm blanking on the rest of the line. Uh, or even like the Saints or the Bucks. It wasn't this. Or the Rams. I mean, the Rams back when they were really making Super Bowl runs had a really nice offensive line. Yeah. So I mean, Lindstrom and Matthews is the saving grace for this offensive line. The other guys, I think they're really just going to benefit from this scheme. So while, like, Hennessy isn't a great center, McGarry is not a great tackle, and Jalen Mayfield, especially if you put him at guard, while he has some potential, he still has some flaws. They are really going to benefit from this, from the most, not only the most quarterback-friendly scheme in all, arguably, ever, but it's also really, really beneficial for the offensive line because you get moving pockets. They don't have to hold their blocks as long. Very few five step, like seven step drops. You know that's that's not. It's not Peyton Manning out a single back dropping back and throwing, you know, six second routes to Reggie Wayne. Um, right. Obviously not six seconds, but but you get the point. So yeah, I, I completely agree with you. It makes it harder for these these like really really good edge rushers, like uh, say some of these are going to face in, um, Demarcus Lawrence or or on the on the. I just picked the wrong division, but on the Bucks with. Um, with Jason Pierre-Paul and, and Shaq Barrett, you know, or, or the Saints with Cam Jordan, these 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 edge rushers aren't going to be able to necessarily explode off the ball and already have a plan in place on uh, how they're going to attack you on this play and what that's going to be what that's going to be setting up on other plays because they don't know whether listen is there a, is there a um, is he just going to leave me and there's going to be some some uh, cut block from a from a receiver or or a running back. Are we going to see, uh, you know, a moving pocket where the play is coming towards me and I get double teamed? What 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 am I going to see? And and that's that really helps uh, with the offensive line and their strengths as a unit. Yeah, so they're going to rank twenty six for this offensive line. And now let's move it to offensive coaching, which this and quarterback saves them uh, yeah. for being one of the bottom three offenses because. So far, that's pretty much what we've talked about is how pretty bad this offense is. But you get some big-time help by hiring one of the, one of the best up-and-coming uh, play callers in the league in Arthur Smith. He's got to come in 13th, and he's kind of in the upper echelon of really, like, basically the top 13 play callers, including himself, are really, really strong offensive play callers. So... Warner, what 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 are your thoughts on offense on Arthur Smith and what he'll bring to the table for this Falcons offense? Yeah, well, listen, it's it's all scheme. Um, if if Arthur Smith just ran some some uh, offense like I don't know the Patriots or or uh, the Eagles and and just just ran a basic offense, then there's no reason for him to be uh, so highly sought after. Um, but the fact that he runs this scheme, the fact that he saw success in Tennessee when there was obvious holes in Tennessee, the fact that he can uh, work with Ryan Tannehill and turn him into uh, one of those players that deceives people into thinking he's a top eight quarterback in the league, um, somebody who really can uh, put a team from a defensive-minded team and somebody who the defense is going to have to play near perfect every week to a team where their defense can kind of on, suffer and, and be – below average and, and how the Titans defense has slowly crumbled throughout the years because of the offense and scoring points and Derrick Henry and running the ball and time of possession. It's, it just makes it easier on everybody. Um, Sean mentioned the offensive line and the quarterback, but also the defense because you're putting up more points. There's less pressure 
on the defense, and um, therefore you can have a worse, not not a totally garbage defense, but a worse defense and still be successful, at least in the regular season. And um, I think that's why he's such a good hire. Now, he's still got a lot of stuff to prove, hence the 13 ranking instead of, you know, maybe a, a top eight ranking or, you know, I don't know how, how, how far we can go. But, um, you know, that that's why he's at, he's at 13 instead of in the top 10 for sure because he is a rookie head coach. And, um, you know, you want to see if he can be that, that leader, like that vocal leader uh, with the culture like Mike Vrabel was, or is he just uh, – is he some passive play caller who's just going to run a well offense but not be able to run a team? Or is he going to be the guy who is going to come in immediately, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, grab the team uh, grab the team by the reins and also make it so the offense is extremely successful and thrives underneath his, his play calling? Yeah, um, and Mourner really hit the nose on the nail on the head, nose something. <laughs> hit the nose on the nail. The nose on the nail on the hammer of the head, uh, whatever. But he really hit the nail on the head or whatever, whatever the saying yeah. is. Um, I, really, I really hit the nail into my finger. Yep, that's that's how the saying goes. Uh, but he really nailed it. Uh, Arthur Smith, yes, he's a dang good play caller, but there is still some to be seen slightly. Because, I mean, like, when you start talking about some of the more, like, legit elite offensive play callers, I don't think it's quite yet up there. But he is a dang good offensive play caller. So he's going to come in 13th. And this kind of shows you, like, pretty much 1 through 13, you have one of those offensive play callers, you're set. Like, get to 14 and maybe 20, there's some question marks. And then, obviously, the bottom 12 are not good offensive play callers in the league. So, um that's that. Uh, so this offense is going to come in ranking. Excuse me. Any any final remarks in the offense, Warner? Yeah, no, I think it just boils down to Arthur Smith. Uh, is he going to be able to take control of his team and extend Matt Ryan's career and effectiveness? Because they're, they, they really are going to have to overcome a lot to be a successful top offense and offense that can carry a defense through a regular season. Yeah, so this offense is going to rank 23rd in the league. Um, not a bad offense. Not a not a good one, but it's not a, a terrible. Below average, but not like a dumpster fire. Yeah, so. Like the Jets. And even then, I wouldn't be entirely surprised if they creep inside like the top 18 or so, right? Because of the offensive play calling and maybe Matt Ryan. You know, is never he's not going to reach the MVP season, but we see something. We're, we're never going to see Met, top ten Matt Ryan ever again. Right, at least like somewhat reminiscent of that. And uh, you know, the receiving core outplays the thirtieth ranking, and the offensive line really benefits. This could definitely become a top twenty, top even eighteen or so offense in the league. So I don't think it would be unreasonable to say at all that Calvin really gets over a hundred five catches that Kyle Pitts goes over 1,000 yards, that they have two tight ends over 800 yards. Um, I don't I don't think that's unreasonable at all, but I also don't think it's unreasonable that Matt Ryan had, say, 19 touchdowns and 24 picks and gets sacked 60 times. So, uh, you know, it, it just – it really all falls on the shoulders of Arthur Smith and uh, how good of a head coach he is. That's, that's why, you know, that's why you never know with a rookie head coach. What is this team? That, going back to one of the most recent – 
um, head coaches that turned out well and had this scheme. Matt LaFleur with Green Bay, there was a bunch of questions. Is he going to get along with the quarterback? Is he going to be able to grab the team? Who's ever heard of him? He's another Titans guy. What's 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 going on with with Lafleur? Uh, and 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 all all that garbage. And he's turned into one of the better play callers in the league. So will Arthur Arthur Smith be Matt Lafleur, or will he be Adam Gase? It remains to be seen. Or even more recent than that, Kevin Stefanski. I, now I'm going to take this. Isn't a Browns one? So I'll, I'll take my victory lap when we get to that Browns breakdown. But I was on the Kevin Stefanski bandwagon, like similar to like Ryan and shout to Ryan in the Brandon Staley bandwagon, where he was pushing hard. It was like January. They haven't even the Rams didn't even play you guys yet. And Ryan came on our show and was like, no, watch out for Brandon Staley. So I'm gonna take a victory lap by Kevin Stefanski. Who's you guys? What? Who's you guys? Shut up, Packers. Moving on to defense. Yeah, so we're going to go on to this defensive side of the ball here, which is not that great. And it's it kind of, like, when we talk about this pass rush group, it's going to, like, make the secondary. I mean, this this pass rush is going to look elite compared to how bad we're going to talk about this secondary. Because the second Grady Jarrett. Bad. Uh, yeah, Garrett, Grady Jarrett is going to carry this uh, pass rush group to the 23rd ranking in the league. Um, Grady Jarrett, obviously one of the best interior defensive linemen in the league, but Dante Fowler isn't a bad, he, he's not good, but he's not a bad, he's a replacement level to above average uh, edge rusher, number two to say the least, uh, pass rusher to come off the edge. Brandon Copeland, Ty, Tyler Davison, um, just not good options. Copeland off the edge and Davidson on the interior. Uh, maybe he'll get some production with Grady Jarrett being right there, but who knows. But, yeah, they're going to rank 23rd off the solid Grady Jarrett. So, Warner, what are your thoughts on this uh, pass rush group? Yeah, listen, I mean, Dante Fowler is really disappointed. Um, I think he was pretty much made by Aaron Donald um, in terms of the fact that, you know, oh, double-digit sacks. Uh, he was drafted number one overall by Jacksonville um, and then wasn't, too successful there in, in the, when they had a really, really good defense. Um, and then he moved to uh, L.A. with the Rams, had one breakout season, got signed to a pretty large contract with the Falcons, and um, now as an edge rusher is um, – he's, he's, he's fine. He gets bullied in the run game. He's a, he's a finesse speed rusher from the edge, and um, he's really going to have to rely on double teams and, and attention elsewhere for um, him to really get get that production that we've seen from him, um, that we at least saw from him with, with L.A., what, which would make him one of the better edge rushers in the league. Um, Grady Jarrett is going to do Grady Jarrett things. He's one of the top interior rushers in the league. Um, now, whether you're going to put him at, say, defensive tackle or, or D.N., doesn't matter. He's an interior rusher, and um, he's one of the better ones at that. Then you have uh, Tyler Davison, um, another interior defensive lineman. He's fine, you know. Uh, he, he's going to give you a little bit of pressure, but he's not. He's, he's more in there for the run defense. He's not really going to um, be an elite guy that you can rely on to get seven, eight sacks uh, in a season and be a number two, number three pass rusher uh, on the inside. And then Brandon Copeland, former Patriot, um, is you know we've seen Patriots leave New England and just 
soar, and we've seen Patriots leave New England and never be the same. And Copeland uh, in New England wasn't that great of a pass rusher, so uh, I don't think he's going to give you much either. So uh, for the pass rush, they, they don't really – they're not looking great in terms of um, depth, and they're not looking great in terms of uh, consistency either. Grady Jarrett may give you two or three sacks in a game, but that's going to be two or two of the three or three of the four sacks you'll get all game because you're not going to see much else from, from anybody else. Moving on um, to the linebackers, let's go to actually no, let's go to run defense um, next. And um, you've got they they run with a with a nose tackle like a traditional nose tackle. Um, which not many teams do anymore. And um, that would be Tyler Davison likely um, to stay at nose tackle. Uh, you've got Mar Marlon Davidson um, as your right-hand, left-hand, uh, but in interior defensive lineman, I mean, Grady Jarrett on the other side. So they're going to be able to stuff up the run. That's, that's three beefy boys up there in the middle. Uh, Deion Jones is a really nice line, linebacker in pass coverage. Run defense, he kind of struggled a little bit. Poisada Lukun is one of my uh, favorite guys. I really loved uh, him and his his outbreak or breakout last year. And then you have Brandon Copeland, who is definitely better against the run than he is the pass. And then Dante Fowler, who just straight up gets bullied in the run game. So um, they're they're, they're going to be fine, I guess, but they're they're going to get they're going to get bullied by some of these um, teams with top tier running backs and offensive lines, say the Browns. Or Titans, um, although with the Titans, it remains to be seen now that they don't have Arthur Smith. Yeah, so you just wrapped up the run defense as well. So this is the Falcons, you know, not a good run defense, not a good pass rush either. Um, so, you know, it is. Their line play is suspect at the best. Yeah, so they're going to rank. Um, 29th to run defense, and they're going to rank 23rd for pass rush. Now, oh boy, the moment we've all been waiting for. Let's get to this secondary, which... Um, I, I think the only positive they have... Or, 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 do you, or, do you, or do you want to go linebackers so we can talk about something positive? Let, let's, let's, let's go linebackers, and um, let's. there's been so much negative with the offensive line to the defense. Their line play on both sides of the ball is, is pretty bad. Um, so, okay, so let's be positive for, like, two seconds. Uh, so the Falcons linebackers... The linebackers get almost, like, no no consideration in these power rankings, yet that's their best thing. Of course it is. It's, it's yeah, the Falcons, 28-3, so, all over. Yeah, so the Falcons linebackers are going to come in fourth in the entire league. Thanks to Deion Jones and Forsad Alukun, I definitely bought so, that. Forsad Alukun and uh, yeah, yeah. Michael Walker. Yeah, I, I definitely botched that yeah. game. Um, but Deion Jones, like you mentioned, one of the elite coverage linebackers in the game. If you draft a linebacker to be a coverage guy, you hope he pans out like Deion Jones. In terms of pass coverage, again, runs defense, he's not really going to help you that. He's a, he's a smaller linebacker, so he's not going to be, you know, Shaq Thompson, Luke Keekley, just beef an offensive lineman. Um, but he, he's a he's a nice linebacker. Yeah. He's not going to shoot the gaps for you, but he is going to be a, a beast in the pass coverage. He gets great depth on his drops and zone coverage. And even a Lulukun, I botched that name again, but even him, he played. He's showed some 
flashes last year of real potential and, you know, be that second, like, legit. This, I wouldn't be surprised if this linebacker duo, you know, competes with, you know, Dion, not Dion, uh, Le- Levante David and Devin White in Tampa to be at the top linebacker. I wouldn't go that far. I, I don't know. Devin White and Levante David are, like, special, special linebackers. I know. I, know. It's I mean, they are it's so, dependent. so good. And they complement each other so well. It's depending on the Lulacoon, but I mean, even then, it, it would take a lot. But that—that's kind of my point. But this is a one of the best linebacker groups in the league, and there's not even really that much you can say about it. So, I mean, I guess we got the good stuff out of the way. I guess. Yeah, I, I guess so. Um, now it's time to talk about the worst. Worst. Goodness gracious, it's so bad. Second. Well, I will say there there is upside. There's upside with AJ Terrell. I say all Richie Grant, who I do really really like. I do like Richie Grant a lot. You do have AJ Terrell, like you didn't mention. You're you're relying so so much on these guys. Who one is a second year guy who didn't play that great his rookie year, and even though corners don't tip. Yeah, yeah he had his moment. Outstanding their first year in the NFL. And then Richie Grant, who's a rookie, you know, I do like Richie Grant a lot. He is a ball hawk in the secondary. He is a great safety. They got him as a steal. I forget. I think they might have drafted him in the second round, actually. Right around the range where I thought he would be drafted at. Um, you know, the, the top three, I think, was unanimous with him, Han, and Morig. Yeah. So I I think they might have even traded down to get him, if I if I remember correctly. They Yeah, they had the top three. Pick, I think in the second round, they traded down to get Richie Grant, which is even better. Um, you, you get a guy later on in the second round that you would have taken. Similar to like the Eagles with Devonta Smith. They probably would have drafted Smith at six. You trade down and you still get him at 12. So that's just that's that's why I meant by a steal. The value is correct, but like what they did to get him was a steal. You got extra capital while getting him at good value. It, it's just, yeah. Yeah, so I do love me some Richie Grant a lot. AJ Terrell has some potential, um, but it's just like average to below average guys everywhere in this secondary. Uh, Warner, uh, so yeah, they ranked dead last. Warner, what are your thoughts on this secondary? Yeah, so uh, I, I love AJ Terrell. I think he'll be a really nice pro, but um, you know Richie Grant as well. Similar similar situation where you know a lot of talent really be able to put it together. Uh, in the first few years, Isaiah Oliver um, is is a he's an all right corner. You know he's a uh, better than say uh, Kevin King, <laughs> but but worse than than uh, you know what you really want your number two corner to be. Um, then they have Kendall Sheffield in the slot, who out of Ohio State he's fine. Um, he's a quick guy. I'm not going to give you much. He's kind of past his uh, his upside. Part of his career, Fabian Moreau is is all right. Um, it, it just it just it drops off significantly after AJ Jarrell. And then you got Duran Harmon, um, who who's fine. Again, fine. You hear that a lot with with his secondary. Richard Grant. Uh, we both expe- ex- expressed our expectations for for Grant and his career. And then TJ Green, Eric Harris. Uh, they're they're, they're guys, man. They're, they're they're NFL roster guys. You know, replace replacement level 
guys who, who are just going to fill roster spots and, and not really bring you too much in terms of upside. And that's why the secondary is so low. You know, um, you can have holes in the secondary and be moderately successful, but um, at least regular season wise. But uh, with with the Falcons, they don't really have they don't have that guy who's going to be. At least we have this guy we can rely on. He's going to walk down this this part of the field or this receiver. Um, whereas say the Chiefs or or the 49ers, um, the the Rams. The Packers, the the even the Patriots, they all have, um, and and so it's it's just it's a it's a bleh secondary. That's that's not even beginning to describe how bad the secondary is. But uh, again, similar, we talked about this a lot so far in these power rankings. Where these below average teams could definitely outrank. I, there's a universe. I mean. Mourner doesn't follow what I'm about to say as much as I do and some people I know do. But, like, for example, if you follow the Marvel Cinematic Universe or whatever, there's a multiverse, meaning there's, like, alternate timelines or whatever where different things can exist. There is a mul- there is a timeline where this Falcon secondary is nowhere near 32nd, and they could be closer to maybe 25 or, or closer or even maybe reach the top 20. We're still talking well below average, but... but. Yeah, we're still, we're still talking below average, but they're not dead last. This is probably a, a timeline where A.J. Terrell really pops off. Richie Grant proves me and all, and like Stephen Hadglin, shout out to Stephen, friend of the show, prove us right of how daggone good Richie Grant is, right? So, you know, <laughs> definitely... Definitely a timeline that can exist, but I would definitely stay in the current timeline of more likely. This is also more projections. When we do our list, these are like projections of, you know, who's on the roster and like what's more likely to happen. So like last thing about this, now we can move on to wrap this up. We mentioned, you know, Jalen Hurts or whatever, right? Or even the Eagles. I said like the Eagles are more probably ceiling four wins or whatever, right? But the absolute upside, I think, was I said was 10 wins, but we didn't go with that, hence they were 30th, because we were going with the more realistic option, and it's more realistic that, you know, the Falcons, I mean, that the Eagles would be 30th. So, you know, this is not the branch timeline. This is a more realistic timeline. So the Falcons... Uh, secondary would come in dead last, and then the uh, defensive coaching and coaching in general, um, you know, they'll, they'll come in pretty low as well. Uh, they rank for defensive coaching 25th in the league. Uh, some question marks there. I think Dean Pease is a defensive coordinator, a defensive play caller. So, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, this defense is putting me to sleep. So this defense is... Definitely one of the worst in the league, but it gets saved uh, slightly because of, you know, Grady Jarrett and the, you know, Deion Jones, Jones, the elite linebacker duo um, that they do have. So their defense will be ranked 74 for the defense. They had a 77 for the offense. So their final score will be a 75.53. Um, which would be 29th, and 
The number 28 team, I'm not going to spoil just yet, is literally one-tenth or whatever higher than the Falcons. So that means the number 28. I could just yeah. check. I don't know why I'm asking. but Yeah, I don't know either. So that means the, num- the number 28 team has a 75.54. So the between this team and the next team is literally like that's it's so small it's crazy um, i think one thing um real quick that i i just kind of remembered and then i don't know why i didn't make this connection but a lot of the offensive stars that were there in that super bowl run with kyle shanahan are gone and now they have to return to the shanahan offense now you're still going to have staples like matt ryan i believe jake matthews was in the league when they went to the super bowl but really most of the other of the other guys on that team are gone. So um yeah that that Matt Ryan I think is gonna be more absorbed in the offense, but at the same time I think he's gonna put an impression on, on Arthur Smith. I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing yet for, for the Falcons and for Arthur Smith as a head coach. Yeah so let's quickly go over this schedule over under and team MVP. So the schedule right quick for this Falcons squad. The over under is seven and a half games. They have Philly at Tampa at New York Giants, Washington, the Jets in uh, London. Then they have their bye week. Then they go on the road to Miami, Carolina at New Orleans at Dallas, New England, Jacksonville, Tampa at Carolina at San Fran. And they end the year with Detroit at Buffalo and New Orleans. So not a brutal schedule. So hence the seven and a half wins over under. Warner, what what's what's your bet here? Over under seven and a half. I would say under. I don't I don't th- I don't know why it's at seven and a half right now. Um, at least they're projected to go under five hundred. You know, uh, Philly. It's a winnable game. We'll see what Jalen Hurts brings to the tables. They're going to get smacked by Tampa. They're likely going to get steamrolled by the Giants, who just have way better line play in general. Um, specifically, defensive line to offensive line. They're not going to be able to run the ball at all. Um, the Washington, they're probably going to lose to Washington. Um, probably going to be quite bad. We'll see what Washington's quarterback situation brings as well. Uh, that's the main thing holding them back. Um, the Jets in London, it's basically a road game for both teams. I guess it's a winnable game, but I would still favor the Jets there. Um, then coming off the bye week, they're in Miami, which, again, I think it's a winnable game, but I think I'd still favor Miami. Uh, then they're playing Carolina at home. That's probably – the game they're going to win. They're probably going to split against Carolina. They're likely to win the home game. At New Orleans, they're going to lose unless famous Jameis comes back. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see about that. I saw your face. At Dallas, we'll see what irrelevant brings. Um, but I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, saying the Falcons are an overwhelming favorite. Um, then they're at home against New England. Are we going to see another 28-3? Probably yes. <laughs> Jacksonville on the road, it's I guess it's a winnable game, um, but you know it, 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 there's no game where I really feel comfortable taking the Falcons. Like, oh yes, the Falcons will win this game. I feel more Detroit, comfortable. Detroit maybe. Still though, that's at the end of the year. You're gonna have Dan Campbell have one uh, 15 weeks with the guys, rallying them, getting them bought in. You're, you're going to have the trade deadline pass, so the teams are going to be kind of settled. You're going to have pretty much a whole year 
underneath Dan Campbell. I think the Lions are about to bite the crap out of the Falcon kneecap. I don't even know if birds have kneecaps. I doubt it. But uh, they're going to bite some kneecaps. And, and I don't think the Falcons are going to like it at all, especially with their suspect line play. I, I just don't see it. Uh, then going to Buffalo, I think Buffalo is going to hand it to them. And then at home against New Orleans, you know, we'll see, man. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, I'm definitely going to go under as well. They could be in the market for the number one overall pick and picking potentially Spencer Rattler. I would definitely prefer Spencer Rattler going here than going Houston. Um, but unfortunately for Rattler to go to, you know, Atlanta, either the Falcons would have to be like god-awful or the Texans would have to pull a Texans and just dodge the pick. Well, they'll probably trade it away. Oh, no, Bill O'Brien's gone. So they, they might or, be or no, or no, they'll take Sam Howell out of uh, North Carolina. Mitchell Trubisky 2.0. So, yeah, that I'm going to go under really quickly. Team MVP, Warner, go. Arthur Smith, man. Um, Arthur Smith. And then I guess if I have to pick a player, Calvin Ridley. I think Calvin Ridley is going to have a really nice season. Uh, I think he's going to rise to the occasion and and just straight up go off. So, again, don't know why I'm giving so much fantasy advice, but Calvin Ridley. Yeah, so this is going to be the first teamed MVP to feature the player being uh, a defensive player. And I'm going to go – you can go – huh? Grady Jarrett. Okay, I, I thought you would pick Dion, but I, I can see why Grady Jarrett. Yeah, you could actually pick either one of them, honestly. They, they complement each other, even though they play different positions. Um, Grady Jarrett, just his impact, not only in the – as a pass rusher, but in the run game, it's so prevalent. And even though this, like you mentioned, their line play is one of the worst in the league, right, on both sides of the ball, for being completely honest with you, right, they're just going to get manhandled. Grady Jarrett just gives them that elite player, that X factor if you're playing Madden, that you just have to keep your eye out for, um, which is something they don't have at any position on the field. Maybe outside of Deion Jones. So if you said Deion Jones, I wouldn't be mad at that. Calvin Ridley, too long. Calvin Ridley I think, will, will be a, one of those X-Factor players for, for Atlanta. But I, I see what you're saying. Not to the effect of, if this is Madden, Grady Jarrett would get the superstar X-Factor, and Calvin Ridley probably get a superstar. You know how I feel about Madden, though. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, that's just saying. So, 722 will likely be better. Hopefully. Hopefully. Although, really quickly, if you can't edit the offensive coordinators' names, that's kind of stupid. Like, it's going to – like, what? What's the point of bringing them in the game? You can customize the head coach. Why would you bring offensive coordinators in the game? You can't well, and, like, and, like, if you can't play – like, if I want to play as the offensive coordinator and I can't, like, bro, why? Just take the code from NCA 14 where you can play as the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, and the head coach and just – Stick it in to Madden 22. I'm not a coder or a pro or a game developer, but that sounds just so easy, and EA continues to complicate it and botch it. Ugh. You know what I think happened? I think I think, uh, I think they just lost the, the code. I think they were like, oh, no, I deleted the wrong thing. I hope – shoot, that, that's, that, they're better off if that's the case. <laughs> than just negligence. Yeah, I got you. I got you for sure. All right, guys, so that's going to wrap up this list. Number 29, we'll be back at you with number 28 soon. Make sure you guys go over to NFLSapia.com for article versions for each podcast episode of this Power Ranking series. 
Uh, appreciate you, Warner, as always. For the Talent Show, we're out. Episode, well, Power Rankings, number 29. See you guys in the next episode. Peace out.